Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Let's get into God's word. Let's pray and ask God to, to, to fill our hearts with his word and an understanding of who he is today. Father, we are so grateful for you, your presence in this place, and, uh, and your word. And as we dive into your word today and dig into your word today, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring revelation to our heart, understanding. But even beyond that, God, we don't want just understanding. We want the courage to do. Not just hearers of the words today, but doers of the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Today is actually the, the fourth and final installment of a series that we've been doing to start out the year called Searching for a Better Life. And I think that's probably true of all of us in some sense. And we said really there's kind of two people uh, in the world today or two people that you're dealing with. Those that, that have given up, there's the depressed or those that have complete hopelessness, so to speak. And then there's uh, the the others that are still striving. There's still hope and there's still that striving. And what we're trying to do in the series is give you some, some tools. Now, next week, I want to tell you, we're going to shift gears. And I'm really excited about the series that we're going to next week. And so the ushers are going to come real quick. They're going to hand out some cards to you. And they're invite cards to invite people. While they're handing those out to you guys, go ahead and hand those out. While they're handing those out to you, uh, real quick, I want to tell you, we're starting this series next week called Those People. Does anybody have those people in your life? You know what I'm talking about? Those people, right? We're going to do a series in February because we want to deal with relationships. And so we're going to talk about what is it like to deal with critical people? Anybody ever dealt with a critical person? 
don't look at the person next to you. That was just a question, right? Anybody ever dealt with somebody manipulative or controlling or so we're going to have a series that would really be beneficial to your neighbor or to your coworker or somebody that I think is a very practical, very helpful thing. So we're going to hand these out to you and say, would you take one of these little packs and give some invitations this week and say, Hey, come join us. We're doing a brand new series called those people that's going to help you deal with uh, the people in your life. So while they're finishing that up, let me, let me read the opening of verse. We've used this verse now for four weeks. And, um, I want to remind you kind of the, of the process of where we've been, what, where we've going. And if you're first time here, I'm going to catch you up real quick here. So John 8 and 31, it says this to the Jews who had believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. All right. So if you come to a knowledge and an understanding of who Jesus is, you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples. But the next word is interesting because it says then. In other words, after that, after that moment, after this, this rally, then you will know truth and the truth will set you free. So what we've talked about is this process that we're in. That you come to a place where you have a saving knowledge of who he is and you grab hold of who Jesus is. But then we have to go through this process of truth. This process of reprogramming truth into our lives that happens really for the rest of our life. Right? They answered him, those that were around. Now that he was talking to the Jewish people and these are, these are guys that had kept the law and, and, all, and they're like, we've never been slaves before. So we said it this way. If, if you said it to us today, we would be like, what are you talking about? I'm a Baptist. I've been in church all my life. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a, I've, been in, I've been doing this all my life. I'm not in bondage. How am I in bondage? Right? And he goes on. And Jesus replies to that. They say, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we need to be set free? Let me say this as a side note. You can't be set free unless you recognize that you're in bondage. Right? You can't be set free unless you come to a place of recognizing that you're in bondage. Jesus replies to them, very truly we tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And at that moment, he brought the whole crowd back into the conversation. Right? Anyone who sins, which is all of us, is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be, what are the two words? Free indeed. That's what we're striving for is if we're searching for a better life, we're really searching for freedom, right? All of us have a blue faced warrior inside of us that want to find freedom, sometimes maybe in the wrong way, sometimes in the right way. Week one, we talked about this struggle in us, this, this carnal nature and the spirit inside of us and this battle that's going on. And we said, you know, whatever you feed is whatever's going to have strength inside of us, right? Whether it be our spirit or, or this carnal side. Week two, we talked about the battle of the mind. We talked about the lies, right? What does it say? It says you need truth because we're combating the lies of the enemy. All day, every day, and I'm going to, we're going to talk a lot about this today, but all day, every day we deal with lies, Some of you heard lies this morning when you woke up and looked in the mirror. You did. You did because you said words that were not true of who God created you to be. Right? You heard where you lack or you heard because of what you compare on social media or you looked in the, in the mirror and go, when, like I do this one, when did I get so old? 
right? And, and we battle these, 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 these lies that come at us. Last week, we talked about access points. If you're here, do you remember we talked about having security in our lives and, and, and making sure that the access points that the enemy has to our lives are taken care of. If you didn't watch last week, please go back and watch that uh, for you and for your family because I think it'll be really beneficial to you. But I want to switch gears today because we've been talking about a lot of defense in a lot of ways, a lot of ways of playing defense and, and, and doing access points. But how, how do you keep it going? Somebody said this on, uh, on the morning vlogs when I do the video, uh, when I was doing the videos every morning during 21 days. Somebody put at the bottom, do we have to stop doing this at 21 days? I need this every day. And while it was great and it stroked my ego a little bit, the reality of it is, is, is that, listen, that is so true, is it not? Like this whole 21 days and, and this series even, if we put it in application, it's going to work for you for a while. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? That you go to summer camp, that women's retreat, that marriage retreat, that event, and everything's good for a time period. And then all of a sudden you find yourself right back at the same. Why is that? And so what I want to talk to you today is, is, is I want to talk to you about maintaining. And, and I, and I titled the message today, True Grit. Some of you are old enough to understand that reference. Young people, you just think it's a cool title. That's cool. Right? But, but True Grit, what does it take to do the grind? Because we've become a culture and a society and a church, unfortunately, that likes events and we live from event to event to event. In other words, we live from high to high to high. Or maybe we live from Sunday to Sunday. Man, I just got to get back to Sunday morning so I can worship and hear God's word again. And I'm going to survive this week. And that is not the way God designed it to be for you. Can I say it to you this way? If that's the way you live, then I'm just your drug dealer. I'm just your spiritual drug dealer. I'm going to come give you a hit on Sunday morning. You're going to feel good for a while. Then you're going to go back through the week and have the same struggles and run around the same. Right? You understand? How do we do that? How do we get to a place then that we not only find deliverance, but we maintain that. But we walk in that. I want to talk through that quite a bit today. And, and so I want to read this to you because this struggle that we have, um, that retreat. Some of you guys, went to, who went to Rock the Universe last night? All right, I'm giving all props to these people because they didn't get home until like 2 in the morning, yet they're here in church. So if you whined about the cold today and having to get up, you got nothing, hush, because these people are awesome, right? So all props to them. Y'all get extra jewels in your crown in heaven. Um, but listen, it, it, you can go to Rock the Universe and have this cool event and this cool kind of thing. But I want to read a verse to you, and this is a verse, you're not going to like it. You're never going to put it on your refrigerator, <laughs> Okay. This is not one of those verses that you put on your refrigerator. Let me, let me, let me read it. You'll understand why. Luke eleven twenty four says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, in other words, when you get delivered from something, right? When, when something that is, that is the enemy trying to affect your life leaves, check this out. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person um, so it returns and finds its former home is all swept in an order. And then the spirit, boo, hiss, this is not good. Listen to this. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That's not something you're going to put in your refrigerator. But listen, that is something that Jesus gave us as a warning. 
As a warning to understand the reality of this cycle that takes place. And I need you to hear this is cycle that is taking place every day of your life. In you, in your family, in your business, in our country, in our government. It looks like this. It looks like this. First, first is, and this is the first blank there in those three lines that go across your notes. First one is freedom, right? Freedom in the top one. Freedom comes. In other words, deliverance comes or we get freedom from evil activity or we get freedom in some way. And freedom's amazing, right? Like we all want freedom. We're grateful for our freedom. Anybody grateful for your freedom? If you're grateful for your freedom, then you should register and you should vote this year. Come on, somebody. Listen, that is our role. That is our part to play. Listen to me. Don't get frustrated. They're all dummies and weirdos. I get it. You understand what I'm saying? Like oh, every one of them. Sometimes you go, really? Did you just say that, dude? Come on, man. Um, listen, listen, listen. But this is our country. And if, if you were running the country, we'd be saying the same thing. You understand? Listen, register and vote and vote biblically. Vote biblically. Listen to me. So I'm going to make a couple stands real quick. You understand? Here's what I think biblically is. Biblically is that we value life. Okay? And so I don't care what the party is. To me, that should be, as a Christian, that should be our one of our very first, is the value of life. Right? And that reality. And so listen, but, but freedom, we value our freedom, so we participate in it. But you know what freedom always brings? Anywhere you see freedom, anywhere in the world, in any culture, in any background, at any time period. What follows freedom always, your second line there is prosperity. Now, not always financial or economic prosperity. Soul prosperity, contentment, satisfaction, right? Joy, not happiness. Happiness is different. Joy, okay? Prosperity comes. Now, there is nothing wrong with prosperity. What is wrong and what happens is how we deal with prosperity. Because prosperity lends itself to pride and complacency. Right? Pride and complacency. And we get to that place where, come on, business is really good, so now we're going to spend. That's the way our government does it. I mean, like, really, at this point, our government, like, about 60% of the budget is, is your taxes, but they're having to borrow about 40% on a regular basis. Think about if you ran your house like that. Right? If like every time, every month, 40% you had to put on credit cards or go get a loan or that, that, that's not a healthy. And so what happens is you get, guess what it leads to? The, the last phase? Bondage. And that cycle is going on over and over and over and over in our lives, in our marriages, in our families. And it's something that today I want to help you break free from. I want to give you some practical reality. Here's, I'm going to say something I haven't said ever. The notes I'm going to give you today, this little, these little steps I'm going to give you today, is probably the most important notes that I've given you since we opened this church. Because it's something that you need to apply literally to yourself, your family, your business, every aspect of your life, every single day. Because we do. We have a struggle and we cry out to God, God help me in this. And he gives us some kind of wisdom or something and we make a wise decision. And then we feel some freedom and we feel prosperity, right? And then what do we do? We get lazy. Now I can lay back and relax. And then bondage comes. And then we cry out for free. Right? We see this cycle over 
and over and over again. As a matter of fact, listen to me. It's been this way since, since the fall. There's an entire book of the New Testament that is dealing with this cycle. Paul writes to the people of Galatia. The book is called Galatians. That's what the whole book of Galatians, it's about this cycle. As a matter of fact, let me give you a little bit of a taste of it. Galatians 5 and 1, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay? So, so Christ, he wants you to have freedom and he sets you free. Okay? In other words, when you come forward today and you pray with somebody and you receive Jesus, you have freedom. You have freedom. You're, you're good. Any of you ever gone forward and prayed and asked God to be, and you felt God's presence and you appreciated the prayer and you walked away and you went into your week and things went right back to where they were? Come on. And then we doubt God. And then we doubt. Listen, look at the rest of the verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You are free. Now stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do you see that? In other words, in that moment when you say, hey, God, would you forgive me for this? I'm, I'm a sinner. And man, I, I can't stop picking up that bottle. I can't stop. Smoking, I can't stop this addiction or that addiction. I, I can't stop looking at the porn. I can't stop whatever those, those things that I keep going back to. And we ask God, God, will you forgive me? And here's his response. Yes, I'll forgive you. And in that moment, you are free. But then, but then stand firm. Stand firm because you can go back because you can get delivered from that spirit. And guess what? He can come back unless you stand firm. And the reason being is because I want you to hear the difference between deliverance and discipleship. Deliverance is a moment. Deliverance is a prayer. Deliverance is a moment where you have a prayer with somebody. And in that moment, listen to me, Jesus always answers yes to a pure heart that says, will you forgive me? Always. Will you heal me? Will you help me to overcome this? And the answer is yes. Every time. But now you have to stand firm in it. Now you have to walk in it. Now you have to actually go on a journey of discipleship, becoming a disciple. And what is the key word in disciple? Discipline. Boy, it got real quiet up here in this Presbyterian church. Listen, this is not a message that we like to hear because we've created a church culture in the United States. We like events. We like worship nights. Ooh, let's worship. Right? Nothing wrong with that. Fantastic. Let's, let's have an event, man. Let's pray for people and lay hands on and see God do something. Nothing wrong with that, right? But why do the same people walk out the door and do the same thing next week? Then come back and pray at the altar again. Come on, somebody. My goal today is to find somebody who wants to have freedom finally for good. My my goal today is that, that we break some things today and you understand that it's not just the event. It is deliverance. It's that moment. And discipleship, now you've got to stand firm. Now you've got to walk in it. I want to use a, a, a story 
for us to walk through kind of some ideas for you to put this into practical use in your life. And I want to use the story of the prodigal son. Most of you have heard this story, um, but let me give you a, ki- a quick review. And for those of you who have it, this will help you out. Uh, so there's a, a two sons. One of the sons, the younger son, he asks for his inheritance. Right now in the Jewish culture, of course, today, this would be like, can you imagine? Like I can picture like Jasmine coming to me and going, all right, dad, hook me up, brother. And I'd be like, you're on dope. Get away from me. Right. But in the Jewish culture, this was rude. This, this was, this was not real kosher. Do you understand? And he comes, he goes, I want my inheritance. And the dad says, okay, now what I need you to understand about this scenario that it doesn't tell us in the story, but is implied by Jewish culture is the oldest son always got double what the other kids would get because he's the oldest. So when dad goes to break this up, he would have given two thirds to the older son. Hold on to that. That's important for in a few minutes. He would have given two thirds to the older son and a third to the younger son. So he gives him a third. Right? What does he do? What we do when we get freedom and prosperity. Woo! Let's party. Right? And that's what he does. He goes out and he parties and he drinks and drugs and girls and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden there's a famine in the land. What happens? Freedom, prosperity, bondage. Do you see the cycle? Over and over. It happens in all of our lives. It's happening in his life. Right? And so he comes to this place where he is stuck in bondage. And he says to himself, all right, I can't go home. I got to fix this. And that's where many of us are today. You got something you're dealing with, something you're struggling with. And the the message is, I got to fix this. I've heard people say, I don't think I could take communion today because, man, I just got some stuff. I got to get right with God first. I, I, I have to fix this. Let's see how it works out for him. Because the problem that each of us have is number one. Number one in your notes, you have to admit that you need help. You have to admit that you need help. And man, especially for the men in the house today, that is not something we want to hear. Because the message we've been told all our lives in our culture is, be the man. Stand up. Be strong. Be the man. Never let them see you cry. I went and got my hair cut yesterday. I was over in Orlando. My normal guy cuts my hair. was off. And so I went over to Orlando and I found this amazing, like, it was a Puerto Rican barbershop. All right. It was, it was awesome. Like I was the whitest white guy on the planet. Right. And, uh, and this guy's all tatted up, Puerto Rican guy, thick accent. He like, man, he like, you know, straight razored my beard. I mean, it's looking tight. The lines are all tight and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it was funny because the guy on the radio said something about, um, men don't, are not supposed to cry during movies. And he was like, man, I heard that. You know, that's right. And I laughed thinking about today's message, thinking about how hard the message is that we've heard, especially for men. To admit that you need help. And I think it's getting progressively worse for women. Because women, you're empowered now. You're supposed to be strong, right? You're supposed to be powerful. And, 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 and I need you to hear something. That is not the way God designed it to be. And it's not going to work out well for us. Till we get to the point where we humble ourselves with each other. Because that is the way he's designed us. Let's see how it works out in the, in the son's life. Luke 15 and 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. And isn't that true that whenever we try to do it ourselves, we're just going to end up feeding pigs? We're going to end up in the middle of the pig slop, in the middle of the mess. It says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
When he came to his senses, all of a sudden he had a moment. And man, I'm praying that there's a couple of you might have a moment this morning. Where you go, I need help. I need help. I've been hiding behind this smile. I've been hiding behind this mask because I don't know how people are going to respond. And I'm praying today there might be some of you that come to the realization before you have to continue eating pig slop. Before you have to even get to that place in the first place. To admit, I need, I need some help. See, you will never be set free if you don't admit that you have a problem. And many of us, we don't even know we have a problem. So the first step is for us to come. And listen, this is why we have people praying at the altar. That you might come to someone and go, you know what? I want God to tell me what I'm not seeing. I I, I want God to reveal to me the areas where I have blinders on because I I don't know what I don't know. Come on, somebody. Isn't it amazing how you can see the problems in everybody else's life? Right? I mean, those of us, we look at other people and we go, oh my gosh, their marriage. And it's amazing because if you ask most men, so one to ten, how's your marriage? Oh, it's about an eight or nine. Then you go ask the wife. Yeah, four. Right? And the the reality being, listen, that you don't know what you don't know. And at some point, we all have to humble ourselves to the place where we go, I need some help. How? How do you do that? You know what the only way to do that is? And here's where we're getting into the rub of, I don't know if I really want to go there. But the only way to do that is to build relationships. The only way to do that is to get real and raw in relationship with people to where they see the real you, right? To where, to where you can get, this is, listen to me, this is why we do small groups that are starting in two weeks and why you'll hear me to continue to push you and push you and push you to get into a small group because I'm hoping you'll go to a small group. I'm going to do a men's group on Thursday night. I'm hoping there will be some men that come to that men's group on Thursday night. Right? And they're going to look around the room and they're going to do what men do. It's kind of that arms folded, like, okay, I've got to weigh this out. And, okay, he's probably a little bit better than me, but I'm not as bad as him. Um, kind of a thing going on, right? Which is what men do. But here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that what you'll do is at least look around the room and go, those two bozos are really jacked up. So I'm going to pull them aside and go, hey, I need to talk to y'all because I know y'all are jacked up. So maybe you'll understand me. Listen to me. C.S. Lewis says it this way. The best friendships and relationships are built in me too moments. Where you get raw enough with somebody to take the mask off and they go, this is going on in my life. And that person goes, oh my gosh, me too. I have those same thoughts too. I have those same struggles as well. And our culture is telling you the complete opposite of this. Separate yourself, isolate yourself. We don't know who our neighbors are. Protect yourself. When the reality is, is you need to admit that you need some help. Number two, number two, we have to humbly, oh, this is tough. We have to humbly repent to God and others. We have to humbly repent to God and others. Look at Luke 15 and 18. Here's the son and he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, we have sinned against heaven, which is God and against you. 
oftentimes I think I see people and they're in this mode of, well, me and God, we got this. Me, 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 back off. You're getting a little bit in my space. Me, me, me and God, we got this. But I need you to hear what we talked about earlier. What is God's system and process for helping us overcome? Number one, it's deliverance, right? That we have a moment when God says yes to our forgiveness, yes to our healing, yes to bringing some sort of of renewal into our life. But the second part of that is discipleship. And discipleship is that people become involved. Now that gets messy, would you not agree? I mean, just saying that, there's a number of you that are on the inside, there's a pushback. Because you've been hurt. Because people are people and things happen and people say, people say the dumbest things. Don't they? Right? Listen to me. Just because people are people does not mean we can usurp God's system in the way that he means for healing to come in our life. Because the way that healing comes in our life is one in the moment and two in the journey. Let me show you two scripturally. First John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful. God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteous, unrighteousness. Today, you can stand at this altar, you can sit in your seat, you can sit in your car or your living room or wherever and say, Hey God, please forgive me. I am sincerely sorry. I am so sorry for what I've done. Will you forgive me? And his answer? Yes. Absolutely, I will forgive you. Check the next verse out. James 5 and 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Check this out. Not that you will be forgiven. Who does forgiving? God does forgiving. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Forgiveness comes from our Heavenly Father. Healing comes from here, from him, but through each other. Because you don't know what you don't know. I cannot tell you how often you are the beneficiary of my wife. Are you following me? In other words, I'm like upset about something or I'm thinking this or I'm thinking that, blah, blah, blah. She goes, whoa, 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 honey. What about this perspective? And I go, oh. Because I didn't know what I didn't know, right? We need each other. We have to have each other. And the scripture is very clear. And as a matter of fact, I need to clear something up. The word repent. You've heard this word. Repent from your sins. And we think what that means is, I'm sorry. That when we come here to the altar and we say, God, I'm sorry that we're repenting. And that is not the entire word. Let me show it to you. Repent. The actual Greek word is metanoa. Metanoa. Meta, listen to me, meta means change. Noah means mind. To repent is to change your mind. In other words, you can come and pray a prayer and walk out the door and not have your mind changed. Which means you're going to get the same behaviors and the same actions that you had last week. 
Does your heavenly father forgive you in that moment? Absolutely. But now this week you got new sin that you have to ask for forgiveness. Do you see how that works? And so you continue in the cycle over and over and over again when you need to understand it's not just a moment of deliverance. It's also the reality of discipleship. That we've got to stand firm. I'm sorry is not repentance. Right? Repentance starts with deliverance, but is maintained by changing your thought patterns. And the only way you're going to change your thought patterns is get in relationship with other people that help you do so. We have to have each other. Can I be just dog blunt with you? I don't even like saying that. Because Mike wants to be in control. I got the, leave me alone. Don't tell me what to do. Mike's sinful nature says, I'm a man. I got this. Get off me, woman. Don't tell me what to do. I mean, that is really our nature, our sinful nature, until we come to the place of humbling ourselves before God and realizing what repentance is. I got to change my thinking. My thinking stinks because I'm seeing in my actions. I got to get moving. Number three. Number three is you have to daily choose to reject Satan's lies. Right? Because again, what are we talking about? Repentance, metanoia, change my mind. Well, the reality is, is the lies that have been said to us, the lies that have been said over and over and over. Listen, you are being lied to all the time. Some of you are being lied to right now. Some of you, as I'm speaking, there's voices or there's thoughts that are happening inside of your head. I don't know about that. What about Yeah, well, but. Is he going to get us out of here in time to beat the Baptist to Oakwood? That's from the enemy, I'm just telling you right now. That's a joke. But the reality is, is you are all the time. You're going to be lied to in the parking lot. You're going to be lied to as you get out of the You're going to be lied to. And so we have to come to a point where we choose daily to reject Satan's lies. Look at Luke 15 and 29. Let's look at the other brother. Because the other brother, he, he buys all kinds of lies. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I love that part. I've been slaving for you. Anybody ever had a kid say that to you? I've had a kid say that to me. Take the trash out. Yes, sir, master. <laughs> Come here. Let me explain it to you. Right? <laughs> you get three square meals. You ain't no slave. Get to, right? Right? And so you picture this time. I've been slaving. I've been slaving for you. Like what, what a silly. Anyway. Um, I've been slaving for you and I never, dis, I never disobeyed your orders. Unless he's Jesus. That's a lie. Anybody ever had a kid that never disobeyed an order? Come on. Give me a break right now. Right? But in that moment, I mean, do you hear, listen to you, do you hear the lies? Oh, you can almost see Satan standing next to him, whispering in his ear. Well, you've been the perfect kid. You didn't go off and do all that crazy stuff your brother did. Yeah, God, Dad, I never, I never done anything wrong. Right? And, and I mean, and can't we see that in, in ourselves? Yet you never gave me even a young goat so we could celebrate my, why you want a goat? But, but you never even given me a goat. Do you remember what I told you earlier? How much did he give him? Two thirds. You own all the rest of the flocks, goober head. And isn't that us? Isn't that me and you? 
that we look at God and, and we go, why am I going through this, God? Why don't you take care of me? You won't even give me a, 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 a 30, 30, $300,000 a year job. And he goes, what are you talking about? I've given you eternity. You have it all. You have it all at your disposal, right? Do you, do you see the lies? Do you see the, so we celebrate our offense. But then the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything that I have is yours, right? I've never done anything wrong. You never give me anything. The power of a lie in your life is devastating. The power of a lie in your life is devastating. And the only way for you to recognize lies is for you to know truth. This is why we always talk about read your word, read your word, read your word. Because with all the things that are coming at you all day long and the things that are being said, teenagers, you especially, 17,000 media messages a day at least. I saw a statistic the other day. The average person, the average person in America touches their cell phone over 6,700 times a day. Check yourself. I've been checking myself this week. Right? The, the, the reality of what is coming at us. The reality of what is being said and the lies that are being whispered to us. We've got to understand and know. And so number four, we have to daily choose, daily choose to receive God's truth. We have to. You have to. It is your lifeblood. Look at Luke 15 and 22. But the father said to the servant, Qu- servants, quick, bring the best robe. And I'm going to explain this to you in a second. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Here's where that is relative to you and to me. If you come to a day where you say, Jesus, I take you as my Lord and Savior. On that day, he says yes to you. He says, you're forgiven. Right? And you have deliverance. How is it that I can do that and then still live out out a mess of a life? It's because I haven't completed it with the changing of my mind. The rest of it is the journey. Right? Be renewed by the... Or be changed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what I want you to see, the picture here that, that he's giving us when he talks about the robe and the ring and the shoes is what you and I need to take on every day. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to take this on every single day. First, first of all, you need to understand the robe is the robe of righteousness. It's the robe of righteousness. In other words, you are righteous. I'd like two people that agreed with that. Listen, and the rest of us are kind of going, yeah, well, except for last night. Except for last Friday, yeah. 
I wasn't going to, but I ended up going and yeah, I was drinking a bunch and I was doing this and I wasn't going to do that. And was that, yeah. And so to hear that, listen, to hear I'm righteous is something that we go, I don't really see. And what you need to understand is that, that son in that moment, he wasn't clean. He wasn't, he was dirty, right? He, he, he had a mess of a life behind him. He had baggage. I mean, make it very, very practical. He had been with prostitutes. What kind of issues did he have? I mean, very, on a very practical, real level. But the, the father puts a robe on him, and that's what Jesus does to each and every one of us. That even though you are who you are, and we are depraved and sinful beings, we are selfish and all about ourselves. Right? Mike likes Mike. And you like you. Because it's a sinful nature. And then Jesus comes and he says, but I'm going to put a robe on you. And that robe is righteousness. Not because of anything you have done, but because of what I have done. I look at you and you are righteous. See, that's the moment. In the moment, you're righteous. Guess what you've got to do now? Walk it out. Stand firm in it. Stand firm when the voices come and say, no, 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 you're going to need that bottle. No, 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 you're going to need this to make you feel better. You're, you're, you're this, this lustful act, this, this you're going to, you're going to need this. And we take the robe off and we, and we don't, and it doesn't change anything about who God says we are or what we, we just choose to do. Do you see that? And it requires discipleship. It requires each other. It requires accountability. It requires the guy to be able to look at another guy in a small group and say, dude, the secretary's flirting with me and I like it. Can you help me? Will you give me accountability? Will you call me? Will you text me during the day? What are you doing? (laughs) Staying at your own desk. (laughs) Looking for another job? I'll help you find another job. Right? That, that's the reality of us walking out robe of righteousness. Then he gives him, listen, he gives him a ring. He gives him a ring. And the ring is the ring of authority. The ring of authority. And that is this. Back in the day, they had signet rings. And it had the family crest on it. It had the family mark on it. Right? And it was almost like a credit card. Where you could take wax on something and they would put the signet ring in. If you've ever seen like Ben-Hur or one of those old movies like that. And they would do the signet ring type of thing. And that was the seal. That was, that was authority. That meant something. And I need you to hear something. The symbolic reality of what God's saying to us in this story is that he's put those of you who've accepted him and you call yourself a believer and a follower of Jesus. He's put a ring of authority on your finger. Which means there is nothing that can come against you that you don't have the authority to overcome. Nothing. There is no bottle. There is no drug. There's no sexual act. There is nothing that you don't have the authority to say in Jesus' name, be gone. And you have that authority. But you got to walk in it. You got to live in it. You got to be around people that are reminding you, come on, walk in the authority of what God has given you. Walk in that reality. And then the last one, he puts shoes, shoes, put sandals on his feet. Now I want you to get a picture in your mind of the son coming back. Remember where he worked? He worked with pigs. Let me ask you what his feet look like. 
They probably were, I mean, he had been journeying. They probably were all like dry and cracked. Maybe bloody and sore. Probably still had pig feces between his toes. I mean, nasty stuff. And the father says, I'm going to give you these sandals. I'm going to put these shoes on. And you know what they are? Because that's where your source of pain is right now. That's where your struggle is. These sandals are going to give you a little peace. That these are the things that our Heavenly Father says that we have at our access in this moment and then to walk out as we get other people to help us. That you have a robe of righteousness that says, I am righteous in Christ. I am His righteousness. I'm not a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I can overcome. I have the authority to look and say, no, Satan, you got to go, son. I'm not playing this game anymore. You got to go out of my house you gotta go, you gotta get away from my kids. You have no authority in my, my marriage anymore. But you have, listen to me, you have that authority. People will come to me, oh, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me? Like I got the bat phone to God. Right? Like somehow, because Pastor Mike stands on a stage and talks, it's like somehow my prayers are bigger than yours, and that's just not true. Because anyone who is a follower of Jesus has that same ring of authority on your hand. You have the same ability. Well, you may have a hard time, harder time saying it because I've been doing it a little bit longer, but you have the same authority. You have the same ability to say, no, Satan, you cannot have my marriage. No, Satan, you cannot have my kids. No, you cannot have that adult child that is still out there. I'm still praying them home. Pastor Mike was prayed home. If you don't know my story, I had a praying mom that prayed my butt home. Thank God. You have the authority. And then he wants to say to you, in that, I want to give you peace. Because you're striving so much. And you're pushing so hard. Why? Because you think you got to do it all by yourself. When what it's meant for you to do is to do it within relationship with other people. And so I want to do something that I have not done since we started this church. And if it's your first time here, um, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. Because I'm going to pray a prayer, and I wrote it out, because I I really wanted to take time to write out everything that I wanted to pray against today, and pray to break off of you today, and for you to overcome today. And so here's all I'm going to ask you to do. Would you receive this prayer? Whatever that means for you, and and maybe you want to open up your hands to receive this prayer. Maybe it's just a posture for you. I don't, maybe you want to kneel down. I, I just want you to take very seriously the reality that, that I'm going to assert my authority today because of the ring that God has put on my finger today. And as your pastor, I'm going to stand here today and by faith, whether you have it or not, I'm going to stand for you in authority today. I'm going to ask you to agree with me and receive that. Does that make sense? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we bow in worship and praise before you. We surrender ourselves completely and unreservedly in every area of our lives. We take a stand against all the workings of Satan in our lives. Lord, we resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob us of the will of God. So we stand right now against any spirit of bitterness unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, envy, or jealousy, any spirit of insecurity or inferiority, 
fear or rejection, self-pity, self-hate, self-anger, rage, violence, or murder. We break the power of lust, sexuality, adultery, impurity, and pornography. We break the spirit of pride, lying spirits, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, criticism, and judgmentalism. Every spirit of prejudice, racism, greed, materialism, and selfishness, covetousness, and the spirit of self-ambition. We break the power of depression and anxiety. Suicide, you have to go in Jesus' name. Self-hate, self-destruction, dependency, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, obesity, rebellion to authority, religious pride, heresy, false doctrine, laziness, guilt, shame, disbelief, embarrassment, humiliation, and every negative word that has been spoken over our lives. Every curse or spell or the occult or any witchcraft. Sickness, disease, infirmity chronic health issues. We break your power in Jesus' name. Today we choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We put down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and we loose into us a sound mind, the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. And all God's people said, Would you receive that today in Jesus' name? Listen to me. Now you got to walk in it. 